Let's pray together. Father God, it really intrigues me to ponder what Mary knew on Christmas morning, holding her Savior, the light of the world, God in flesh. But Father, she pondered and treasured the things that were spoken to her about her child. Her child's life would pierce her own heart and save her own soul. So Father, we ask that that spirit of that child, the spirit of that Savior, the spirit of the King of kings and the Lord of lords would come into this room And that each one of us would leave here knowing, knowing who Jesus is and loving Him above all else. Because He is God in flesh. He is the only Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the wonderful Counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And Father, we pray that His Spirit would come and for those who need a Counselor, that He would speak. And for those who need God to be mighty, He would be strong. Because You are. And for those who need Father everlasting Father, that He would be near. And for those who need peace, He would be the Prince of Peace. Come and speak. Speak through a a broken sinner who desperately needs to hear the message He's about to preach. May we just hear the words of that child, that King named Jesus. Use the things that I say that are true and point to Him to make us more like Him. And take all the things that I say that are just my opinion or wrong, may they fall away and be forgotten. May we leave here singing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And He's come to my heart. And I love Him. Do you know Him? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A few weeks ago, Katie and I were out to dinner. Enjoying dinner when uh, breaking news hit the TV behind us. We kind of look up, here's breaking news. And we were told of a story that we all know about now. The breaking news that Tiger Woods has been in a minor traffic accident. And I got to tell you, at the time I thought, is this really breaking news? I mean, I know that he is certainly one of the most recognized people in all of the world, uh, probably the greatest athlete of our time, but breaking news that he couldn't get out of his driveway at two in the morning, hit a hydrant in a tree, well, it's become kind of breaking news, hasn't it? I mean, as the truth has been unveiled and as his life has been unraveled, And as his reputation has been put asunder, wow, have we seen breaking news. And yet another one of Americans' heroes, 
Another one of our icons. Another one who seems to be beyond it all, yet we're reminded painfully again has fallen. It's amazing. I was watching Fox News as some of the adulterous affairs started to emerge. This was long before the trail got as long as it has. And I was kind of amazed as I listened to the commentators with such shock talk about how in the world can Tiger do such a thing? Imagine a sinner acting like a sinner. By God's grace, I didn't have to wonder how he could do such a thing because I know what sinner I am. And it was praising God, thank God it's Tiger, not me. But then again, it wouldn't be breaking news. Except maybe Orangewood breaking news, heaven forbid. The truth was unraveled in Tiger's life. These adulterous affairs have emerged. And oh, how devastatingly low has Tiger fallen. This Tiger who was raised as a boy to be a superstar. I mean, from a boy groomed to be the world's greatest. From a boy given a vision of changing the sport. No, changing the world. Who he is. Do you know what kind of pressure is on someone like that? Man, I had pressure to get good grades and that was tough to live up to. The pressure to be the world's greatest golfer from the womb was basically handed to Tiger Woods. And you ready for this? He succeeded. Unbelievable. Wow. His life's dreams, or at least his dad Earl's life's dreams, they seemingly came true. I can't imagine the pressure that he has to continually live with being Tiger Woods, especially now. 700 years before Jesus was born, there's a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And he was going to talk about a baby that was going to be born. And long before Mary and Joseph, following God's direction, named the baby in the manger Jesus that we have come to know and love him as, the name above every name, that name of Jesus. Do you love it? The name where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. Is there any name like it? I know none. But 700 years before he was named Jesus in Bethlehem, the prophet Isaiah wrote about this one would be born, and he was labeled a whole lot more than becoming the world's greatest golfer. I mean, the pressure was put on this child. Unbelievable. I mean, the accolades, the, would you even dare say maybe the hyperbole? Are you kidding me? They're going to tell us that a child is going to be born and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll know all things. No one will have to try to tell him how to live and what to do because he will be wonderful. He will be Counselor. And this child, this baby will grow up to be fully God, fully man, and be mighty God. Wow. That this baby will grow up to be everlasting Father, did he fulfill it? Has the truth revealed itself that Jesus is who he was claimed to be or he was told that he would become? Or does the truth 
like in Tiger's life, unravel the reality of a hero. And there's such good news this morning as he is who Isaiah said he was going to be. He was and he is and he always will be. He is the Savior of the world. He is the One who is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know Him? And knowing Him and knowing the truth of Him will set us free. We don't have to hide Jesus from the truth. Some of our heroes and some of the handlers around Tiger and around other celebrities will do everything they can to let the truth be known about their heroes. Because when the truth is known about our heroes, we realize they're a lot like you and me. They're broken sinners. But here's the good news. We do not have to hide the truth of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus will be. He's unchanging Because when we examine His Word and we examine the truth, we'll realize there is truly only one hero in history. The Bible makes that clear. All those we may want to look up to in the Old Testament, the prophets and the kings and the priests, they all failed. Except one. And His name is Jesus. Let's look to Isaiah. Isaiah 9, this is where we've parked all uh, Advent season. This is where we will be through the rest of Advent season. The prophet Isaiah, he says a lot of things about this Jesus that we haven't even looked to. Things like a virgin will give birth. That's in chapter 7. That this Jesus would be the suffering servant. But we have stayed right here in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Let me read to you again what the Appens read this morning. Being mindful. This is God's holy word. This is never going to lead us astray. It may confuse us sometimes. We may not be able to fully understand it, but it's, it's God's Word. It's without error. And we've got to be under its authority. So, mindful of that, let us give honor to God's Word and to the One who has given it to us as He breathed it to the authors. Let's stand and read these two verses. I'll read them. You can read along silently. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my lips, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, if you were here, if you love Jesus enough, you were. Last week, if you were here, one of the things I said to you is that as sinners, we really want to have a God of our own design. Scripture tells us that we are of God's design, that each of us has amazing worth, Because we reflect who He is. 
of all the things that God created, He created us and us alone, human beings, both male and female, in His image. Wow. In His reflection. But really, in my sinful heart and in yours, uh, we would love to design God in our own image. To be the God of our own choosing. To be a God with attributes that we can assign to Him and take maybe away from Him. And I, I use the term that we maybe want to create a Mr. Potato Head doll. You remember that? Uh, Mr. Potato Head God, I should say. One that we wake up in the morning and say, I want my God to kind of look like this. I want a mighty God today. I want a compassionate God today. I want a forgiving God today. I want a God who will ignore my life today. I want a God who will submit to my whim today. I want a God I can manipulate today. And by the way, it's such good news that there's not a God like this. There is a God who is. And this God is so good and loving, He reveals Himself to us. He reveals Himself to us in all of creation. As a matter of fact, God's Word says that Scripture speaks forth of the truth of God. That we're without excuse in Romans 1, not knowing this God, simply by creation. But creation itself is not sufficient to lead us to this God in a saving way. So He had to give us His Word. His Word that points us to who we are as as made in His image, but marred by sin. Who He is and how we can know Him. So God, listen, God reveals Himself to us. And He reveals Himself to us in His Word and and through His Spirit. Um, We clearly see that there is one true living God. uh, This God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is not our job to put together a Mr. Potato Head God. That's really bad. That's That's like breaking the first two commandments. What we need to do is, is look at God's Word and, and on bended knee say, reveal yourself to me. Because you say that you are seeking after worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. You see, truth is important to God. And we don't have to hide Him for the truth. And so what we're going to do today is allow this phrase, everlasting Father, to roll around in our heads, in our minds, in our souls, and say, what does it mean that Jesus is everlasting Father? Because He has revealed Himself to us that way. You see, there's a, there's a Christmas mystery. I hope you're not old enough to miss it. There's a Christian mystery, a Christmas mystery, I should say, that is so beautiful. Listen to this. Listen to what Isaiah says. For to us, a child is born. And this child who is born is everlasting, is eternal. Isn't that a great ministry? It says this, for us a son is given. And this son that is given is father. Okay, make some sense out of that. So what we're going to try to do today is look at two things, this everlasting and the Father. If you want to follow along in the, your bulletin, you can. Uh, don't be intimidated by it. We'll come through quickly. It's, I kind of threw a lot in your bulletin today, this week. But everlasting, what's the point? What's the point when he says to us, when, I, when the prophet Isaiah says that Jesus is going to come and he is going to be everlasting Father? The first thing is this, is that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal, which means He always was, He always is, and He always will be. 
It reminds me, just jumped in my head. I remember for extra credit in middle school or junior high school back then, we had to watch Carl Sagan. Remember Carl Sagan and that science program he had? And he would come on and he would say, the universe, all that was and all that is and all that ever will be. And right in that one claim, he denied God and the existence of God. He denied God as creator. And the only thing eternal was the universe. But when we look to Jesus, we have to realize that he is eternal, not the universe. He created the entire universe. As a matter of fact, this is what John 1 tells us. John 1, 1 through 5 says basically this. In the beginning was this word, this logos. This, this, in the beginning was this word. And this word was with God in the beginning before time began. Uh, he was with God. And listen, this word was God. With God there in the beginning, that He created everything, that not one thing that is created that was not created by Him, this Jesus. And this Jesus, His word is the light and life of men. Amazing. He's our light, He is our life. And it says this, and the darkness did not overcome this light, this Jesus. It didn't understand it. In John 1 14, amazing passage that we got to dwell on and just mull over, chew on. That Jesus, this Word became flesh, this eternal God who always was, veiled Himself in flesh, became fully man. He tabernacled with us, is literally what the Greek says. He became flesh and He walked among us. But Jesus is eternal. He is timeless. Well, I thought it would be nice if we look at one of the passages that we sing about. Um, at Christmas time in Micah. Micah 5.2. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Micah 5.2. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is the ruler in Israel, who origin is found of old, from ancient of days. Or maybe your translation says, ever Lasting. Okay, the point is this. Jesus is eternal. He didn't begin in Bethlehem. Jesus is timeless. Now maybe someone's going to ring your doorbell. And they're going to claim to be a witness of this Jesus. As a matter of fact, they're going to call themselves Jehovah Witnesses. They're going to ring your doorbell and they're going to tell you about a Mr. Potato Head God. A Mr. Potato Head God who is not timeless. They will say, no, 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 no. Jesus is the firstborn of creation. Jesus was created like you and me. And yes, He created all things, but He was first created by the Father. This is a heresy. This is wrong. Scripture clearly teaches us that this Jesus, this Word made flesh, was not created. The only begotten Son. He is truly God. He is eternal and He is timeless. And listen, if we take away any truth of Jesus, Christmas is ruined. Christianity is ruined. And I'm going to do this 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 morning to you. I'm going to put up some truths in front of your face. And I'm going to pray that God, like He has with me, say, are we going to kneel to them and believe them and embrace them and love them or reject them? Because the reality is, we have to worship the God who is or we have a Mr. Potato Head God. Amen? You see, the story about Jesus doesn't begin in Bethlehem. It's timeless. 
It's without beginning. So what does it mean that he is the everlasting father? One, he's eternal. The second thing is this. Jesus is immutable. Big word. Jesus is immutable. Basically meaning this. Jesus is changeless. The one who always was, the one who is, the one who forever will be, doesn't change. Truth is, in 2009, God has changed more in my life than ever. Man, has God been changing this year. There's been times I've been praying and I haven't seen a whole lot of mighty God. There's been times I've been praying that I haven't seen or experienced a whole lot of wonderful counselor. At times in my life, he doesn't feel much like Emmanuel, God with us. And the truth is, with this pastor that's really driven me to my knees, is God has changed more than 2009 than he ever has in all eternity. He hasn't changed. My understanding of him has changed. I let the circumstances around me dictate, allow me to see him through the tears sometimes, through the pain sometimes. And I would cry out and say, where are you, O God, Emmanuel, God with us? Where are you, mighty God? Where are you, wonderful counselor? But there's such great news. Listen, this is such amazing news about our God is that our God doesn't change. And why is that important? Because for all of us who change, our actions will change along with our character. Right? If our character changes, our actions change. When we become more like Christ, when we change to become more Christ-like, we do more things that look and please Him. We change and we, we, we slide into sin, our, our, our behavior changes. Do we have to wonder if God is going to stop loving us or all of a sudden His character is going to change or His actions are ever going to change or His promises are ever going to fail? No. Why? Because God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was good in the beginning. He's good now. And He wins and He'll be good at the end. This is so important about this everlasting Father. God does not change. The book of Lamentations. I mean... (laughs) Any book that's in the Bible that says it's called Lamentations, it's a lament, it's a cry. It's when things are really, really bad. I want to read to you Lamentations 3. Sometime, maybe over the holiday season, it's not going to be your favorite book to read. But maybe read Lamentations for this reason. For those of you who are hurting, for those of you who are struggling this Christmas, sometimes misery loves a company. Read Lamentations and hear the voice of those in such misery, in such famine, in such economic destitution that cannibalism is going on. And out of these words, Jeremiah writes, verse 21 in Lamentations, this I recall to my mind. He says, everything else is horrible right now and everything else is broken and everything else seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. So this I call to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because why? His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Is it so beautiful to me that out of the bowels of life, out of the agony and despair, God's 
Spirit reveals to Jeremiah and to this church here today and to my life that our God is not changing. Our God is great. Our God's mercies, they're new every day. Sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't. But the reality is, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. This immutable God is an unchanging God. Revelations 1.8 says this about Jesus. Revelation 1.8 says, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Basically, basically saying in Greek, I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. Who was, I'm sorry, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Beings, beings, living beings, will always act according to their character or their nature. Beings, living beings, will always act according to their nature. It should never surprise us that pagans act like pagans. It should never shock us that sinners act like sinners. It should never really too much even shock us when Christians who have been given a new nature and who have been cleansed from their sin, who still wrestle with the faith or the flesh. It shouldn't be that shocking that someone we look up to, like Tiger, can do what Tiger could do. It's shocking to me because he's so disciplined. It's shocking to me because he seems to be wrestling, throwing his whole career away. But it's not wrestling. It doesn't shock me that a sinner will act like a sinner. And again, I'm not saying that it's just Tiger. It's all of us. But God will always act according to His nature. He will always act according to His nature. And He is good. And He is timeless. And He is eternal. He never changes. Your circumstances will change. Your life situation will change. Maybe your view about where, who God is and what He has done will change. But the reality is, we can't make a Mr. Potato Head God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And listen, that should give us joy. That should set us free. That's just the reality. Thirdly, in this point, is, is that Jesus is sovereign. Uh, basically, He is matchless. There is no one like Him. I love what Isaiah 9 says about Him. It says, of Jesus, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. And I tell you right now, I take that verse and I plunk it down in 2009, December 13th, and say, Really? Of the increase of His kingdom. And we pray as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. But there's a promise here that the kingdom of God will win. The kingdom of God will advance. The increase of His numbers. The increase of His reign and rule will have no end. That's really good news today. Because it seems like we're losing on a lot of fronts. I read the news and I read about those who don't embrace Christ uh, and how quickly they're growing and how much it seems like this world is locked in darkness. And I know we're called to shine in that dark, reflecting the light of Christ. But here is the reality and the victory that ours it is ours. Christ's kingdom shall never end. 
One day the kingdom of heaven will come and be a part of the kingdom of earth, the new heaven and new earth. And truly on that day, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. But if you are loving and worshiping baby Jesus, know that He is Lord of lords, King of kings, and He wins. We know that through the cross. We know that through the empty tomb. And there's no end to His kingdom and to His reign. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that great reminder. He is truly matchless. And He is in control. Let's talk about the so what. So what? Okay, some theological points here to Jeff. So what? Let's look at a few things. One is this. Because Jesus is eternal, He alone is the source of eternal life. Because Jesus is eternal, He alone is the source of eternal life. Because He lives... We live. This morning in my devotionals, I was reading um, about the, uh, uh, the song, He Lives. I, I read through this devotional. It kind of gives you the background of these uh, songs. Sometimes I try to sing them. And uh, I'm reading a story about the story of He Lives. It was written by a Presbyterian minister by the name of Alfred Ackley. And he happened to be in California on Easter morning. He turned on the radio. This is around 1915. And he was listening on the radio. They had a liberal preacher out of New York City basically say this. It doesn't matter if Jesus lives or not. Happy Easter. It doesn't matter if he lives or not. What matters is is that his message marches on. That he could be dust in the tomb, but his message marches on. Now that is a Mr. Potato Head God. That is a God who did not conquer death. That is a God who did not open up heaven. That is not a God to live in. And what message does that conquer that continues? What message is that? I've come and I failed. Go and love each other. It's a Mr. Potato Head God. You see, because Jesus is eternal and He lives, we do too. Because Jesus is eternal, He alone is the source of the meaning of life. We, got, we, got, we can't miss this. He alone is the source of the meaning of life. Jesus came and says, I'm going to bring a kingdom. And you've got to change your priorities. And according to Matthew 6.33, we need to now to seek first His kingdom. Align our lives up with His kingdom. That our priority should be Jesus. In all of life, not just on Sunday morning, in all of life. I mean, tomorrow, God is serious about this. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God tomorrow and today and forever. And, and if we want to try to find meaning of what it means for me to be a teacher or what it means for me to be a dentist or a doctor or what it means for me to be a lawyer or what it means for me to be a student or what it means for me to be a homemaker or whatever it is, the only way we're going to find meaning in life is that God offers us to live according to His kingdom values, advancing His kingdom, because that and that alone will last. Everything else is meaningless. Christ, the meaning of history. You see, He's the one who created history, right? He created it. And and at the end of history, the story's going to be that He comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the entire point of history. He's not only the starter and the finisher, everything is about Him. And see, so he gives us this great privilege to live our lives with kingdom values. So it's not all about just our job and our paycheck and our brokenness and our families and all the things that just don't seem to add up. We can say, God, I want to live first and foremost for you and your kingdom. Father, 
He says father. He turns to says um, that he is father. And by the way, one last thing with eternal is because Jesus is eternal, he won't go away. He's not going to go away. Is he knocking at the door of your heart? He's not going away. Not good news for us. They love him. He's not going away. We may take down our decorations. We may take our lights down. Christmas may be forgotten. But Christ is ruling and reigning. And he's coming back. Father, it's important. We've got to talk about Father for a few minutes because this could be really confusing. I mean, I thought Jesus was Son. How in the world do we get the title Everlasting Father? Well, what's the point? Let's throw it off with a negative. Jesus is not Father in regard to modalism. Um, Sabellianism. There was, there was a teacher. I look up and I see Robert Drain looking at this, the, the thing like, what in the world is that? Well, let me tell you, Robert. There was a teacher about the fourth century that said this about God. He had his own Mr. Potato Head God. It became a heresy um, that the church had to reject. He said this about God. He said, God is a God who changes his face. He's got many faces. That, that the Father became the Son. And the Son became the Spirit. And really there's just one God who just kind of has many faces. He's got these three faces. And, and that's wrong. I mean, that's a Mr. Potato Head God. I can understand trying to get the logic with that. But there is one God, a true living God, who is Father as a person, who is Son, and who is the Holy Spirit. So how do we know and love this one God? And how do we call Jesus his father? Well, Jesus is his father in regards to this headship. This is going to be a little heady, but hold on, we'll get to the point. Hang on. Um, How is Jesus father? Jesus is father in regards to headship, meaning a federal head. What in the world are you talking about? Well, according to God's word and according to history, you and I are represented by one of two men who ever walked the face of the earth. Now, this is the way God describes it. Don't get mad at me. And this is the way God tells a story. He says that Adam represented us completely, fully. He was what we call theologically a federal head. What Adam did passed on to us. When Adam sinned, we sinned in him. Adam's corruption becomes our corruption. Adam's guilt becomes our guilt. Not fair. Wasn't there in the garden. But as father, we call Adam father. He represents the whole human race. There was another one who came to represent his children, Jesus. The one who came in fullness of time. The one who didn't fail like Adam did. And scripture is going to be very clear. Read Romans 5 very clearly. That we are either in Adam and we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Or we're in Jesus and we've been made alive. We are either by nature in Adam, children of wrath, or we are by nature in Christ, beloved children. And in this room right now, God sees us all for who we are. You are either represented by the federal head Adam and his sin and guilt, or you are represented by Jesus and his righteousness and shed blood. As a matter of fact, that's why Jesus would talk to the religious leaders and say, you're of your father, the devil. You're in Adam. But for us... Jesus is our Father, is our federal head who represents us, who leads us to His Father. Also, He's the Father as regarding like a head. He's the head of the church. Uh, I used uh, Ephesians alone to point that out because we've been in Ephesians. Ephesians 1.22, 4.15, 5.23 all clearly say that Jesus is the head of the church. As He's the head of the church, He's the Father of the church. 
He's the point. Jesus is head of the church as, as in the founder. We would say that George Washington is the father of our nation. He's the founder of our nation. George Washington might get father of our nation. Well, Jesus is the father of the kingdom of God. He's ushered in a new age, a new day. His kingdom is here. But Jesus is father in another regard as well, as life giver. Scripture says that those who have the Son have life. Those who've embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior and believe He is who He claimed to be and who God's Word revealed Him to be, that He, if you have a relationship with Him by confessing your sins and embracing Him as Lord and Savior, those of us who have the Son have life. Those who don't already, we don't have life. You see, Jesus is a life giver. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And that way, He's the Father. He's a father because he's a name giver. He gives us our name. And Revelation says there's another name yet to be given to us. But we can bear his name today. He clothed us in his righteousness and he sees us as his own. And scripture also says that he is the father to the fatherless. Isn't that good news? I've heard so many sad stories this month that I, I think I'm about ready to explode And so many people who need a father to the fatherless. And and I'm thinking of those who are young and those who are more mature and realizing that their father just doesn't measure up. He says, I've come to be a father of the fatherless. So what? So what? Because Jesus is eternal father, we must find our identity in him. In him alone. Who are you? Who are you? What is your identity? Is it in, I am a child of the King. I am one of Jesus' rescued lambs. I am beloved. And I find my identity in Him. I wish that I really believed that all the time because I know my life would be different. I know I'd be free. And oh, how I pray, Orangewood, for you and me that we could find our identity in Jesus. Then, oh, will we be men and women and young people free, free to truly live? Why does it matter? He's eternal father because Jesus is eternal father. In him alone, we must find our security as a father. He wants to provide for us. Our security must come from him, especially in these times where our 401ks may have tanked, our job and our income may be cut in half or non existent. When we wonder in these tumultuous times what is going to happen to our kids and our grandkids. He alone must be our security. We must hide ourselves again in the rock of ages. We must run to Him and say, in you and you alone do I find my identity and do I find my security. Because Jesus is eternal Father. Lastly, when we must find our priority in Him. He must be the one who has priority over our checkbooks over our Palm Pilots or however we manage our time. Jesus. Eternal Father. You think Tiger is going to recover? You think he'll recover from this? Are you all asleep? <laughs> We're thinking. <laughs> you think Tiger is going to recover? 
Pray for him, will you? Don't just throw a rock at him, please. Pray for him. I don't know. I don't know what this will do. It seems like uh, his reputation has been ruined, uh, at least greatly marred. I guess Gillette is dropping him or phasing him out. You're waiting for Gatorade and Nike to see what they're going to do. Another hero, the truth has gotten into his story, and now his story unravels, and what are we going to do with him? Jesus' story never unravels. Listen, Jesus' story never unravels. The truth shines in to Isaiah, and it shines into that little manger in Bethlehem that a virgin was with child, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. And amazing above amazing, he truly is the wonderful counselor. He truly is the mighty God. He truly is everlasting Father. Do you know him? Let the truth of Jesus shine brightly into your lives and say, yes, I kneel before the God who is. No more Mr. Potato Head gods. I kneel before the God who is and worship and adore him and love him. Maybe can't always put our arms around him. Of course, he never could. But we don't have to worry about the truth taking away his reputation. The truth shines and Jesus reigns. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much that your son is all that he was billed to be. Man, oh man, high praises. His everlasting God. His wonderful counselor. His Savior of the world. Jesus, thank you for putting on flesh and veiling yourself, set aside in glory and rescuing us. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for reigning. You're matchless. You're timeless. You're eternal. You're changeless. We trust you. And God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, don't let them leave. Be the hound of heaven. Let them come to the reality that maybe they have a Mr. Potato Head God. Replace that with a God who is with Jesus as Savior as they confess their sins and embrace you. For each one of us, may the reality of Christ shine brightly. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.